But it's good to see each and every one of you here. I've got a video that uh, I want to show you guys, and it's uh, bear with me as we go through this morning. We're going to talk about discipleship. We're going to talk very briefly about uh, the 12 disciples and character that they had, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and how God got them to the point to where they were on missions to spread the good news about Jesus Christ and about how we are called to do exactly the same thing. And so, uh, Oscar, if you'll show the video. Come on. Come by. Walk on. Good girl. Walk on. Dolly. Up. Good girl, Stormy. How obedient sheepdogs. They do exactly what their master trains them to do, do and, ask, and does what they ask them to do. And then they return to their master, and you couldn't tell on this picture when you blow it up, that dog is so happy when he comes back. Just so happy. And you know what? He's not asking, are you going to give me a cookie now or anything like that? It's like, I've done what you've asked me to do. And that's what God calls us to do. So as we get started, would you pray with me and pray for me? Gracious Heavenly Father, I just ask that you remove me from the equation that would be your message, Father. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing unto your sight. May you speak to us individually and collectively as the body of Christ this morning. As you dwell with us this morning, Father, we give thanks. In your Son's name, amen. We're going to talk about the characteristics of disciples, and um, we're going to focus today just on the the twelve. Um, at the end of the month, uh, we're going to, as we continue to talk about discipleship and being called uh, to be missionaries in our community and the world, uh, we'll get to we'll get to Paul. So, as we I don't mention Paul this morning, it's not because we don't think he's something special, because he absolutely is. Oscar, it sounds just a. I get, I'm getting a little bit of an echo. I don't. Thank you. So we find the name of the twelve disciples in Matthew the tenth chapter, in Mark the third chapter, and in Luke sixth chapter. And of course, they're mentioned in the Gospel of John. They had diverse backgrounds. They had different occupations, and they had expertise in some areas that allowed them to serve Jesus. They were not without shortcomings. They were not scholars. They were not rabbis. They had no extraordinary skills in the area of religion, and they weren't refined. They were ordinary people, like you and I. 
They could relate to those that they encountered because they were ordinary people. And their work that they did for the Lord and for God was based on trust, was based on the love of God and the faithfulness toward Jesus Christ. Despite their faults, despite their weaknesses, each played a vital role in the early church. Jesus wanted them to go into the world and take his message to all nations. But before he had them do that, he needed them to understand how important being obedient and how important it was to love God and to obey God. In Mark 12, beginning in the 30th verse, we read, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. If that's the foundation that we build our ministry on, we're headed in the right direction. In the beginning, as they're being loved and mentored and taught and forgiven, and before the miracles and before the crowds, they were ordinary people. However, they learned to believe, and more importantly, they learned to trust. They learned to trust Jesus. Their faith in God was deepened based on their total commitment and their complete trust in him. So let's go through these awesome guys. First one we want to look at, I think, is the first one that comes to mind to most most people, and that's Simon Peter. Peter had the nickname, which is a Greek word that means the meaning rock. He was a fisherman. He was part of the core group with Jesus, that fab, fab three that he has. And Paul writes in the second chapter of Galatians that he was a pillar of the church. However, his characteristics were those of impulse, often outspoken. He was assertive, he was determined, and he was courageous. At times, he was courageous. Without question, Peter is one with which most people can identify. One minute, he's walking on water by faith, and the next, he's sinking in doubt. In the sixth chapter of John, Jesus speaks to about being the living bread, that people should consume this living bread, and this bread of his flesh, which gives life to everyone, gives life to the world. The disciples said to him, this teaching is hard. Yet Jesus knew from the beginning that there would be those that would not believe. Many did turn away, and Jesus asked the twelve if they wanted to leave. And it was Peter that answered, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. They believed and they knew Jesus was the Holy One of God. Yet Peter sometimes is best known for saying things so adamantly, I will die for you. And then he denies him. He was a spokesman for the twelve and one of the people that those folks name first when you say, can you name the disciples? He, along with James and John, formed that inner circle of disciples. He experienced a transfiguration and a few, many, well, actually many other extraordinary revelations. After the resurrection, he became a bold evangelist and a missionary and one of the leaders in the church. I want to go just through just a couple of 
examples of where in Scripture we see this yo-yo effect for Peter. In the 16th chapter of Matthew, Jesus asks Peter, what about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In the 14th chapter, Peter obeys Jesus when he steps out of the boat and walks on water. Yet in the 18th chapter of John, we read where Peter is denying him, denying that he's one of the disciples, denying that he knew Jesus. He denied that he was even with Jesus. Then Jesus comes and shows him grace and draws him near to him. And Peter truly, at that particular point, begins to understand finally, and he begins to trust God for his salvation. And then in Acts, we see Peter has been refined, and he is now all in for the Lord. What an up-and-down walk with the Lord. Yeah, he was so focused later on of sharing the gospel, he went with John to Samaria, of all places. He wrote letters in the Bible. He strengthened the church in Jerusalem. He displayed courage and strength then when he faced persecution. Why all this improvement? Well, suddenly he not only believed, but he trusted Jesus and God's grace for his salvation. Then there was Andrew, Peter's brother, also a fisherman. His characteristics were those of enthusiasm. He had a willingness to help. He was generous. He was kind. He was passionate. And he began to accept people. He introduced his brother to Jesus. He actually walked away from John the baptizer, which John the baptizer was fine with because he was there to show people or lead people toward the Messiah. Andrew lived in the shadow of his brother, yet he was enthusiastic with assignments that he got. He was one of those involved in bringing bringing the boy with the five loaves and the two fish to Jesus. And he brought others to Jesus, as you can read in the 12th chapter of John. He was very loyal. He was motivated follower of Jesus. And while the Bible does not say a great deal about Andrew, reading between the lines, you know that he was a person who thirsted for truth and found the living water in Jesus. We see how a simple fisherman dropped his nets, and became a fisher of men. He didn't look for accolades. He did not look for notoriety. Why that change? He not only believed, but he trusted Jesus and God's grace for his salvation. Then there was James, the son of Zebedee, also known as James the Great. He was a brother of John. He also was a fisherman. He and John left their father and followed Jesus. Back then, leaving your father was a big decision. Your father had been training you to do whatever trade that was he had and to tell your dad, I'm going to go do something else, had to be a big decision. Again, he was part of the core group. He was the first disciple that was martyred. King Harold had him arrested and put to death in the 12th chapter of Acts. His characteristics were that of unwavering faith, He had an attitude of a little bit of pride, I guess, a little bit of uh, maybe it was leadership, but also it was mixed in with a little bit of anger. 
He was one of the sons of thunder that asked Jesus, can we just bring down fire on these people that are not doing what you're telling them to do? Yet he had ambition and he had that fiery faithfulness. He was loyal. He was privileged to be front and center for so many supernatural events. He finally got to where it wasn't about him. It was about Jesus. He not only believed, but he trusted Jesus and God's grace for his salvation. And then his brother John. John's name in Hebrew means God is gracious. He's often referred to as the disciple who Jesus loved. And you might see that as a little bit of a prideful thing. Because I think John's the only one that wrote that about himself. I think Jesus loved all these disciples the same. He was part of the core group. He wrote many powerful books in the Bible. He was an eyewitness, as many of the disciples were, to the miracles of Jesus. John's legacy is one of love and loyalty. He's a devoted friend of Jesus, and he remained faithful. He had that fiery temperament that James had, and he had a special devotion for his Savior. He had a larger-than-life personality, and he was focused on spreading the good news and encouraging others to believe in Jesus. He was one of the witnesses to the transfiguration that you read about in the 17th chapter of Matthew. He also witnessed the empty tomb of Jesus. He raced to the tomb, and I don't know if he very proudly said that he beat Peter, but he was emphatic that he did beat Peter. John may have been the youngest of all these disciples, But I see some hesitation in him when he gets to the tomb first that he waits for Peter to get there and let Peter look in first. According to tradition, John outlived all the disciples and he died of old age. He believed, but again, he trusted Jesus. He trusted God for his salvation. Philip of Bethesda of Galilee, he was one of the first followers of Jesus. He was also called Nathaniel. He mentioned, he's mentioned more in John's gospel than any of the others. It is believed that he preached the gospel in Asia Minor. His characteristic was that he was humble. How God loves humility. He was helpful. He was practical. He was literate. He was obedient. He was sincere. And he was a servant and faithful. His legacy involves him asking Jesus to show him the Father in the 14th chapter of John and proclaiming belief in Jesus even though the others doubted as in John 12. He demonstrated humility and service. We see this when he told Jesus that there were some Greeks that wanted to meet him. He was always willing to help others understand Jesus and encourage them to accept the gospel wholeheartedly. His commitment to Christ serves as an example of how we should be. Nathaniel or Bartholomew. Nathaniel means God has given He was from Cana of Galilee. His characteristics included faith, loyalty, blunt honesty, and a bit skepticism. In the 46th verse of the first chapter of John, Philip is trying to bring Nathanael to follow Jesus. Nathanael asks, where's he from? And Philip says, he's from Nazareth. And Nathanael's comment was, can anything good come from there? And Philip simply replied, come and see. 
He witnessed the miracle of Cana. He was skeptical at first, but followed faithfully. He focused on explaining the message of Jesus throughout the region. He was called by Jesus as an honest Israelite. Just a verse after the one that I just read, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Nathanael was faithful and loyal. He was willing to follow Jesus at any cost. His unwavering commitment to Christ serves as an example to us. And then there's Thomas, one that people will remember as a disciple pretty quickly. He was from Galilee. His characteristics were those of being inquisitive. And so sometimes he gets a bad rap because he was inquisitive. John 14, 5, Thomas says to the Lord, Lord, we do not know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And then Jesus very simply explains, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through, through me. So sometimes people just say, well, he was doubtful. Well, he was really inquisitive. He didn't understand and he wanted to know, but he become courageous. Thomas gets somewhat of a bad rap, as I said before. But you know what? There's not any of us out there that haven't had that moment of doubt as Jesus is working in our life. As God begins to tell us what his will in our life, we've all had those moments where we go, God, you've got to be talking to somebody else. I can't do that. This is inconvenient for me to do that. I don't want to do that. There's an important lesson to be learned from Thomas. If you are seeking the truth and are honest with yourself and others about your doubts, God is faithful to meet you and to reveal himself to you just as he did for Thomas. Thomas's legacy includes his doubting after the resurrection and witnessing the miracles of the catch of all those fish in the 21st chapter of John. He changed from doubt to unwavering faith. Why? He not only believed, but he trusted Jesus and God's grace for his salvation. Matthew or Levi. Matthew uh, comes from the Hebrew word meaning gift of Yahweh. Levi means joined. He was a tax collector, often collecting taxes on imports and exports based on his own personal judgment. He was hated by the Jews, but when Matthew heard the words from Jesus, follow me. He left everything and obeyed him. Like many of us, Matthew struggled to be accepted. He wanted to be loved by others. His characteristics were that he was devoted, analytical, he was generous, and he was hospitable. And in the ninth chapter of Matthew, we see that Matthew invites Jesus to come dine with his friends. And who were his friends? They were sinners and tax collectors. He was very obedient to his calling. And he knew that Jesus granted grace to those around him. In Mark, the second chapter, we see him give up everything and follow Jesus. His gospel is written more toward the Jewish people to be followers of Jesus. His methodical skills are demonstrated in his writing of his gospel. His legacy demonstrates commitment and obedience. He also shows the fact that Jesus' love is available to all, even to those outcast sinners. 
He not only believed, but he trusted Jesus and God's grace for his salvation. James the Less. He was from Galilee. He was one of the most obscure apostles in the Bible. His obscurity may have been a distinguishing mark in his life. This may reveal something about his character. He was, he was humble, he was devoted, and he was obedient. And there's not much information about him. But you know what? It's apparent that he remained humble to those with power around him. And I don't mean just Jesus, but to those other disciples. He didn't call himself to be recognized. He humbly did the work that God asked him to do. Thaddeus or, Ju- or Judas, not Iscariot. His characteristics were those of being inquisitive, tender-hearted. He's said to have the heart of a child, and he was faithful. The notable story in, includes him asking Jesus in the 14th chapter of John, why are you not making yourself known to the entire world, but just to us? Then there's Simon the Zealot. He came from Cana. His characteristic is there was dedicated, and he had zeal and passion. He was a zealot, therefore, and is a person of passion and devoted to all causes. You see, in the beginning, zealots were first, were, the term zealot was first used for those in a fanatical sect that arose in Judea. But yet he followed faithfully, and his passion should remind all of us how we can walk with the Lord and begin to focus not on causes, but on Jesus Christ. Judas Iscariot. His name, Judas, is derived from the Hebrew word meaning praise. His characteristics are that of betrayal, deceit, greed, and dishonesty. He was one of the original twelve. He betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He ended his life after realizing what he had done. As a leader, he secretly plotted against Jesus. In the 17th chapter of John, it tells us that he is referred to as the son of perdition which means eternal damnation, possibly meaning his sad eternal fate. Through the ages, we have people that hated Judas. We have others that pity him. And we have others that see him as a player necessary for the crucifixion. The truth be known, many can say, not many can say that they have not at some time denied Christ, as Peter did. And there are many that cannot say that they have not turned their back on Christ as Judas did. Why the lack of change in Judas's life? He was self-centered. He was prideful. He never learned to trust and believe in Jesus. And then Matthias, he replaced Judas Iscariot. He was from Jerusalem. He was also loyal and committed, and he had perseverance. He came on board in the first chapter of Acts, which means that Jesus didn't personally ask him to follow him, as recorded with the other disciples. But Peter speaks of him in the first chapter of Acts. Matthias was among those that witnessed the resurrection. So Matthias was steadfast and had perseverance. He did not see a need to have a title to be loyal to Jesus. You see, these men all had flaws that made them obedient to Christ and made them willing to follow Christ, made them willing to be molded into what God needed them to be. 
They knew God's grace provided them eternal salvation for those who surrender to his will. The disciples' lives are inspiration for believers everywhere. They were ordinary men. There's a book that John MacArthur wrote, and it's entitled 12 Ordinary Men. It's a good book. It goes into a lot more detail than we had time this morning. But it maintained, these guys, he shows that they maintained a deep faith of obedience, loyalty, and commitment, and they trusted Jesus. It's those characteristics that make them extraordinary followers of the word. They are examples of what it means to be all in for God and give up yourself to faithfully and obediently serve him. Even though time has passed since they've received their glory in their place of honor, God has not changed. His need for you and me to continue as they did has not changed. His desire for our trusting obedience to serve him has not changed. We have in our DNA the same courageous boldness as believers, and that has not changed. Our need to rely on his strength and his promises has not changed. What has changed is our level of trust and our depth of faith in him. Our lack of defending his word, our lack of commitment to him and to each other, and our willingness to acquiesce to the world around us. Yet he has placed us here today to be as those disciples were of days gone by. It is up to each of us to individually and as the body of Christ to collectively help God's kingdom reign on earth as it does in heaven. The absolute truth is that God's grace grants us an opportunity of salvation and eternal life. We only need to trust and obey. Well, what a concept. Somebody should write a song about trusting and obeying. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So my question this morning is this. Have you completely surrendered to the truth of salvation that is God's perfect, loving grace? Are you committed to trusting him in his will for your life? Hear very carefully these words written in Revelation 3, beginning in the 15th verse, that tells us how God feels about lack of total trust and commitment. Jesus says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You cannot be indifferent to God. You're either in or you're out. With following Jesus, as scriptures say, you can't be in on Sunday, almost in on Monday, completely out by Thursday, and seeking to be back in on Sunday. It took time for the disciples to understand that. But through the trials and through the joys of being obedient to Jesus, they learned to completely trust in God, trust in him alone for their salvation. So how many of you want to be like the disciples? But how many of you think that I can't be like the first disciples? 
If you don't think you can be like these ordinary men, then first of all, forgive me for not explaining well enough that they were ordinary men. But hear the Lord speak to your heart. You need to remove those thoughts that are from the devil this morning, that you cannot be like them, for you are like them. They, are not, they were not perfect, and they're no different from us. However, the similarities from being like them are buried in your spiritual DNA. It's just you trusting that God wants to use you in that mighty way. Oh, you may not write a book. Oh, you may not get any adoration for things that you did. But God knows what you did. It's not about you pounding your chest pridefully about what you do for God. It's just about your loving God and following Jesus. So how many of you are sitting here today and would like to say, you know what, I'd like a new beginning, I'd like a new start, or I'd like to have more Jesus? You need to only trust and confess your sins and seek forgiveness that is freely given from God. These men at times, were focused on themselves until they surrendered and trusted the grace of God for their salvation. Jesus said to them, as he is saying to us, follow me. We should trust that Jesus knows what he's talking about with the Great Commission. It wasn't just meant for those few. It was meant for those that believe in him. We should live a life of trusting God. Then we love Jesus, we know Jesus, we experience Jesus, and we share Jesus. You know, one of the things that is frustrating for me, and forgive me for this, I hear so many people say, we just need to pray for Jesus to come quickly. I pray for him not to come quickly. There are so many that do not know him. There are so many sheep that need to be brought into the fold. And we are here to do that. We should be committed in trusting God as we seek those that don't know him. We need to do that before he returns. And I know we say, I am one person. I can't do this by myself. You know, if just 12 of us got together... What difference could we make? And some would say we couldn't make that much of a difference. With everything that we've been blessed with, with emails and all this kind of stuff that we can share. And yet these guys had none of that. They didn't even have a printing press. They went and they spoke the word to those that were lost, to those that wanted to hear, and to those that didn't want to hear. They trusted God to protect them and to guide them. So we're going to show this um, video again of the sheepdog. We're not going to play any sound with it. As you watch this animal be obedient to his master, to hear the voice of his master, to do what his master asked him to do when some of the sheep get away from the crowd. I want you to hear Jesus this morning in your heart. Asking you to do the same thing. 
to trusting him for the salvation of your life. As he spoke to Peter when he said, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep and feed my sheep. And Peter returned to his master to see if there was anything else for him to do. We should do that same thing. We should not back down. We should not shut up. We should not have fear. We should boldly speak the truth of Jesus Christ if we truly, truly want to see a change to your family, to your community, to the state, to this nation, and to this world. If you go ahead and show it. Uh, okay, the sheepdog actually moves here in a minute. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at this back here. My bad. Hear him call your name. Hear the encouraging words of what you heard today about those ordinary men, about what you can do, what he can do through you. Then accept that joy of coming back to your master and hearing the words, well done, my good and faithful servant.